Welcome to About the Winelands. In this show, we'll be chatting to leaders, influencers, wine producers, restaurants, winelands businesses, and other role players. Tune in every Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday for our latest episodes. You will find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram TV, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and Spotify. Good day, everyone, and welcome back to About the Winelands. Today, I'm talking to Nora Thiel. Nora is from um, Dalheim in Stellenbosch, the wine estate. Uh, welcome to About the Winelands, Nora. Thank you very much for having me. It's wonderful to actually speak to someone outside of the farm. <laughs> I can believe that. How did you guys cope with our lockdown situation? Uh, initially, it was awesome because we had no no people walking here, and we live right slap bang in the middle of everything. So it's um, quite different to not have uh, customers or visitors seven days a week with us. Uh, we even had um, our bookies walking through our parking area, which they've never done. So it's been it's been um, it's quite special. But uh, you know, when the cash flow dries up, then you also start worrying. So. Yeah, I can believe that. But I must say, it must have been the first time that you actually, in your, in your lifetime, that you had a farm to yourself, right? Yes, yes. So I, I was born here and, well, in, in the hospital in Stellenbosch, but I mean, I grew up on the farm and we always, always, since I was born, um, had people around us. And because my father was instrumental in the starting of the Stellenbosch wine route in 1971, um, you know, we've always just had visitors um, visiting our homes and you often have people walking straight through your house just taking pictures and saying, I don't have to worry because they're just looking, you know, it's like, oh my <laughs> word. That's, that's how you grew, uh, we grew up, yeah. So uh, talking about that, can you tell us a bit of the history of Dalheim and um, how your family became involved in um, the wine industry? So I must quickly just go back to, so this year we're celebrating 80 years of the, the farm. Um, 1939, Hans and Del Horheisen, who um, got this piece of land above Marathi. Uh, it used to be one property called Driesprong Marathi in Delheim, uh, which was separated in 1908. And the upper portion, which um, they bought in 1939, uh, sort of as a retirement home, uh, just before the Second World War is where my father came and worked with them in 1951. Uh, his mother was the uh, cousin of Del Hoheisen, and that's where the link comes in. And he basically, after the Second World War, had um, no father and his mother needed him to work somewhere and they offered that he could come to South Africa and work for them um, on the farm here. They actually just built the first tanks in the cellar in 1944 uh, they were built by Italian prisoners of war and the first wines were actually produced in the early 50s um, just before just before my father arrived and then he basically walked into a business where his um, far off uncle and aunt uh, all needed someone to help them and he then yeah uh, arrived here and they sort of he says on his first day when he came here and he asked them what he should do, um, Hans told him on this farm, everybody finds their own job. And yeah, 80 years later, we are proud to be a family wine business. 
Amazing how he became, um, found his own job and then became the owner of the place eventually, right? Well, he worked with um, Hans until, uh, until 1971 as an employee. And then at that stage, he said to them, look, he, he wants to be a partner in the business. So 1971, officially, the company Delam Wines was grounded. And then the next 15 years, he actually worked himself into 50% shareholding. And um, it was only in 2003 when Hans passed away that we uh, started buying out the other half of the portion. And only a year and a half ago that we finally have 100% ownership as a, um, the rest of the Sperling family um, to you know, carry on the legacy that they started. But it's basically, I see it as one family because of the trend that, um, you know, he was family of Del Hoheisen. So awesome. we celebrate it as a continuous family business. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So for your 80 year um, celebration, um, did you guys do, do anything or plan anything special? Uh, we've been uh, hoping to have some wonderful events, which we cancelled. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Yes, uh, we were going to do some very big retro tastings um, now for his birthday in July. And uh, in, the, in the meantime, we've got Emilia Bears writing up some of our stories over the past 80 years. Um, so we're using it through our newsletter, just bringing people up to speed from way back. And it's actually amazing how many wonderful stories we've got locked up in books and have forgotten to share with people. So. It's been quite a journey to um, I've been looking through all our albums and history and, and write up a bit of how much they were part of the graveyard in South Africa, which he started in the early 70s, which was unheard of, you know. So a lot of things that happen uh, behind the scenes and stuff we just don't use to sell the wine with. It's just part of our history. It's what, what built us and we grew up in. It's amazing. I mean, that part of Stellenbosch had such a history with, you know, like you said, Marathi next to you and um, the old story of Lovenskampfer and, and that old history as well. So um, that's all interesting. Um, social responsibility is uh, really um, a core value at Deline. Can you share some of your um, initiatives in this regard? So uh, we call ourselves a family wine business more than just being the six family members that grew up and lived here um, as a Sperling family. We have 15 other families who live on the property and still do. So we have, um, as I mentioned, the a graveyard that was just part of what we thought was important for people to get buried where they were living. Uh, a crash for the kids to go to an after school club for the kids who come back from school. So we try and just um, help on the education side. Um, it's just something we do to empower people to take the next step forward. Uh, to me, it's, it's more than just um, spending one day um, a year and going to paint a crash somewhere outside of um, our business. We continuously just try and work with the people that work with us to uplift them and look after their kids and their education. So, yeah, that's to me is just what we do. I don't like to advertise it. Well, yeah, like you say, it's a way of life, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's just how we grew up. 
And then so, people always say, yeah, but you must tell people that. And I'm like, yeah, well. <laughs> we, um, maybe just the, the Wine Industry Ethical Trade Association, the VITA um, um, audit that we do, um, mm -hmm. they specifically then also audit us in terms of the accommodation that the people live in, the health and safety standards, the um, labor legislation, everything that uh, goes around uh, people. So we've opted to just have an external audit done as well so that we can actually say we are not just a member of VITA, but we are an externally audited um, yeah, member. I think that's uh, very important these days. You know, um, the world is so concerned about where things are coming from um, that it's uh, imperative that you have to do it if you want to sell your products worldwide. Yeah, it's, you know, we've often toyed with the idea of fair trade. Fair trade is a brand that the world understands in terms of um, what it means. But in our case, uh, Fair trade to me is a bit of window dressing. Uh, Vita to us is more uh, substantial for our family business and it works better in our business model. Uh, I think uh, long term, it's just um, who we are. It's not um, trying to put a sticker on a label. So. I think it's so important, you know, um, that you actually are true to your core values rather than try to advertise it. It's so, because uh, you're right, uh, if, if, you, if you don't live it, it just becomes window dressing. And if you live mm. something, you don't really feel like telling people about it because it's part of your identity. And we once had a tour company who wanted to come and visit our crash with people. And I said to them, look, it's not, it's not visitable because it's not, I mean, education is something that is part of what we do. I'm not going to let tour groups go through our crash and have a look at what the kids are learning and how they're learning it. Because to me, that's not a tourist activity. It's a, it's yeah. just a basic activity. Yeah. yeah. Totally agree with you. So yeah. uh, other than social responsibility, you guys are also um, very much involved in conservation. And uh, one of the things that you are involved with is the, you're a conservation champion for the World Wildlife Fund. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so in the year 2000, I uh, don't know if you remember the big fires we had in the Cape, they were really bad. Um, we basically burnt down the whole Siemensburg, burnt down in one night. Um, and that fire jumped across from Kanonkop across the road onto our other property. Uh, it also burnt down the Klapitskop. And in 2001, we had... Um, visitors walking up the Klapnitzkop and I uh, got a phone call from this gentleman who said, but do you realize that you've got some very unique fanboss up here? And I was like, we didn't realize what we had there because it was completely overgrown with uh, pine trees and bluegum. Wow. And um, then we had the luck that Elsenberg College, which is next door to us there on the Klapnitzkop, um, Francis Stein, who's involved with land care, had managed to get some funding from um, overseas uh, on a working for water project to clear the aliens on their property which bordered us and we managed to clear the complete copy of all um, blue gum and pine trees over the next four years and that copy actually revealed a 300 year old um, breeder river yellowwood forest which is wow. 
incredibly unique. And in 2003, we opened up the Klapmitzkorp Conservancy um, with five neighboring farms there to help keep the aliens out and protect that incredible um, find. And that Klapmitzkorp Conservancy, which we sort of started running out of a desk in my office, we then registered as a nonprofit organization then started doing hikes um, up the kopi for people to enjoy. And that little conservancy then grew and expanded to become the Siemensburg um, Conservancy, which now includes 35 members around the whole Siemensburg, as well as Klappenskop. Um, and through that, in 2004, the uh, WWF got involved with the wine industry to help protect Feinbos because we are lying in the critical Feinbos landscape and they realize that if they don't help us to see what we need to protect which is exactly what I didn't realize we had um, they came and helped with conservation management plans and uh, deciding what land you shouldn't be using um, specifically mapping water areas that we weren't quite aware of that had special uh, even frogs and um, wildlife that we were just not you know savvy to so they started this project the um, biodiversity and wine initiative which encouraged wine farmers to look at what they have in terms of conservation landscape and if you had more than 10 percent of your land contributing to conservation or um, saying stewardship on it, you could become a champion in conservation. And it's in the last couple of years, they've chosen to carry on working only with the champions in the wine industry, which are, I think we're 42 members at the moment, that um, get support from WWF in terms of conservation management plans. They audit us in terms of how much um, we do in, uh, with integrated production of wine audits, um, recycling of water uh, from the cellar that we do recycling on the farm, the footprint we leave when we do any um, spraying, um, least spraying possible. So it's a complete um, holistic approach to conservation. It's not just looking after the vineyards um, and the fainbos, but it's a, it's a business um, approach. That's amazing. So, you know, talking about conservation, the other thing in the Western Cape, a huge issue of um, water and um, the conservation of water. So um, do you guys do anything specific in, in that regard? Yeah, so we've changed the way we used to water um, in the vineyards to being more stress managed. Uh, you would uh, use a pressure bomb uh, test on your leaves of your vineyards to check how much water is actually in the leaf of the vine before you would add any water into the soil by um, giving a drip irrigation. Uh, drip irrigation is also less um, using water that evaporates when you're using overhead sprayers. So you would minimize the amount of spraying of or watering the, the vineyards. We also do um, Interesting fact is you use about five liters of water to make one liter of wine. Um, wow, I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. So in the cellar, when you're producing um, the wine, you have to do a lot of cleaning and all the water that then runs out of the cellar, we were 
one of the first people to set up a water recycling plant. So we treat that water, we uh, mix it with um, some of the bathroom waters that comes out of um, septic tanks to make it live again and adjust the pH on that. We let it run through a wetland and then we pump it back into a, a irrigation dam and we irrigate all our gardens with that water. So um, it's quite an expensive exercise. And I remember my dad, when we were doing it, he said, yeah, let's malt because um, it was costing so much money. But to me, it was just not a, a negotiable. So we try and um, reuse the water that comes out of the cell instead of letting it run back just into the fields. Well, that's amazing. Seems to be the mm. conservation um, um, issue seems to be your baby. Um, where did this um, um, last yeah. this come from? <laughs> uh, where does it come from? Hans Horizon was um, instrumental. His property that he owned next to the timber, or the, in the Timbervati up at the Kruger Park, he owned 14,000 hectares that he inherited from his father. And he donated all 14,000 hectares to the Kruger National Park. Wow. And um, WWF gets traversing rights, um, a donation every year from, from them using that property. And he left um, his own inheritance to um, South Africa in the Hans Hoisen Charitable Trust, which is, I think, the biggest conservation charitable trust in South Africa. And that money has actually purchased the West Coast National Park. It's made it bigger. It's done a lot of um, investment all over South Africa for, from the Table Mountain Fund all over South Africa. It's getting um, funding from that trust. And I was privileged enough, and Victor was privileged enough to be on his farm in the Timbavati before he passed away. And that's, I think, where our love for nature came from. Wow, what a story. So, mm. when the public come and visit the winelands, you know, they're not always aware of, of what, what they should be doing and they should not be doing. So, in terms of conservation and sustainability, what tip can, or tips can you give to the public when visiting the winelands? I think bring your empty bottles back. That would be good. <laughs> um, yeah, we used to we used to give um, a little bit of money back for people who brought their empties back. But today, recycling has become more, um, you know, normal in South Africa. So it's not just it wasn't just us doing recycling of bottles. But I think if people could just understand that you don't need packages for every single bottle of wine that you take with you, um, try and in Europe you sort of bring your own bag that you put your bottles into. Um, one could one could reduce just even the packaging that you have from driving from here back to your house and instead of just throwing another box away um, encourage people to actually re reuse you know like you go shopping in, in town with your bag uh, why not go shopping on wine farms with a, a bottle bag in Europe they actually make wonderful bags or even in Canada, I've seen these wonderful bags where you could put nine bottles of wine in. Um, you just carry them home. Maybe there's bring a your empties back next time. There might be a business for somebody there, Bill, making um, 
uh, reusable um, wine yes, carriers. Yes, carry bags for bottles, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So conservation. And drink, and, drink, and, and drink the fresh farm water that we have on our farms instead of insisting on bottled um, sparkling water. I, I think that would be a great move. I second that one. I think sometimes yeah. the bottled water are worse for you anyway. So let's yeah. get into yeah. that discussion. Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> issues like conservation and sustainability and social responsibility. Um, I mean, you have a lot of overseas visitors and tourists coming. Um, are these important issues to them and also to your um, international wine buyers? I think it's, uh, we've forgotten to tell all the stories that we, we're busy with. Uh, we've started putting up more visuals as people arrive on the property. So even just um, a sign that we put up uh, last year that uh, the Cape Leopard Trust gave us, because we have leopard roaming around on the farm, um, just informing people more of what we're busy with, um, I think would do us a lot of good. Uh, people are looking out for it. I think it's non-negotiable these days that you're supposed to be looking after your people and the environment. So to me, it's like, you know, um, it's not something that I used to sell extra, but it would be nice to sell more or to tell more stories so that people can feel more part of the brand. And I think the big, the big thing that we're talking with the WWF about is that the little logo that they have on the championship um, status of conservation champions, it's not recognizable by consumers. So they don't understand what it means. And uh, we need to work harder on, on making that link between conservation and, and the wine brands that are actually looking after the environment. What about your, your buyers um, internationally? Do they actually compare brands and, and look at these things or do they just buy on price? I uh, wish, uh, wish there was a bigger drive six. Well, let's talk about the basics. Can you give us your very own wine quote or your favorite wine quote? Yeah, it's that part of just enjoy the wine. Don't overthink it. We, we've complicated the, the wine industry so much people rather drink beer. If we could just make <laughs> more people <laughs> enjoy a glass of wine easier than, than being worried whether they know too much or too little about the wine um i think it's make it simple that people can just pick up even a gewürztraminer. you know i was talking to someone about today i said we people are just scared of the name never mind the wine but it's such a beautiful wine and if more people could just put a bottle of gewürz on the table and say enjoy this with a curry and enjoy the simple uh things in life because it is just amazing what we can make out of out of grapes and uh, we just complicated it because people think they don't know enough about it so they'd rather not try it and simplify it and enjoy yeah, wine more it's very interesting that you just said because it just made me think you know you were just mentioning this the social media side of it and stuff like that that would for instance be an interesting story because i think a lot of times people want to hear from actually from the wine farm or the winemaker or the winery what you know if, if, if it comes from you saying, I have, I have this with your curry, then people mm. will actually have it. If they see yeah, that story exactly. coming from the source. So that's yeah. quite interesting. So Nora, just uh, quickly, if um, visitors coming to the Alain, just give us a quick rundown what they can expect on the, on, on the estate. Uh, 
at the moment they can come from Monday to Thursday between nine and five and buy wine. That's it. And see the beautiful autumn colors on the mountain. Okay. Uh, we are we're strategizing tomorrow about when to reopen restaurant and so on. Um, it's midwinter and we've decided to not do, um, we've had to cancel our mushroom experience. We even put a mushroom box together. People can order some uh, dried porcinis with risotto in with a wine selection, have it ordered home. And we'll have to reconsider how and when we open because it's winter and our whole restaurant team is actually working in the vineyards and helping packing wine. We've tried to keep them busy. Um, we'll have to open with a bang later in the year rather than sort of sit and wait for people to feel comfortable to do outings or to restaurants again. Mm -hmm. But we'll be here and uh, we'll look after the farm for everybody until it's um, time to be ready. If people want to get hold of you or they want to order wine, um, how do they do that? Online, yeah. Any any online platform that has Dalam on it, please support us. And then um, our own online platform, we've also just made it much easier. You can even use Snapscan on there so people can order their wine home. Uh, we are available in a lot of uh, retailers in South Africa. Um, otherwise, take your car and drive up here in the middle of the week. It's incredibly beautiful at the moment. Um, the winelands. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Nora, thank you. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and, and, and it was so interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks for having us. It's uh, some people we said, oh yeah, we've been to Dalham, but like 30 years ago, you know, <laughs> people forget that we're still here, but uh, uh, some people who come back, they said, it's so nice to still come back and see some familiar things, which their memory lane brings back to them. I think there's very few wineries where people can say they were here with their parents and some of the little corners are still the same and they have memory lane moments which are really nice to see. So look forward to seeing everyone again. Well that's awesome. Thank you very very much. I appreciate your time and I'm sure everyone will enjoy this and um, yeah. Have and thanks have... for having me. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. Wonderful. And we have to see you out here as well soon. Oh, absolutely. I definitely will be. <laughs> I actually, okay. I, I, it was one of my favorite places to come as a student in the 80s. So I, I hear what you're saying when, you, see. Yeah. you know, exactly. about nostalgia at, at Deadline. Yeah, exactly. Thank you for supporting our show. If you would like to get more exposure for your business, please have a look at our sponsorship options. Thanks again for supporting About the Winelands. Please follow us on YouTube and on our social media channels. All details and links are in the description.